Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You're listening to the Qalam Podcast. Qalam is an organization that is dedicated to making Islamic knowledge accessible to everyone. Alhamdulillah, Qalam has been able to serve so many people all across the world in so many ways. And now, Qalam has the opportunity and the ability to take its work to the next level. Qalam now has the ability to expand its offerings to people all across the world in so many different ways. Qalam is acquiring a campus, a home, where we can continue to do the work that we do and in fact increase what we do. But we need your help, we need your support to make that dream a reality. Go to qalamcampus.com and donate generously. Every single person listening to this podcast benefiting from Qalam, I need you to go there and donate and share that link far and wide and let's all of us come together, invest into our sadaqah jariyah and take this work to the next level. Jazakumullahu khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Now enjoy the podcast. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadihi alladhin astafa. Khususan ala Sayyidi Rasul Ibu Khatim al-Anbiya wa ala alihi al-Askiya wa ashabihi al-Taqiya amma ba'd. We are studying the book of Sheikh Abdul Fattah Abu Ghudda rahimahullahu ta'ala Ar-Rasul Al-Mu'allim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam We covered the brief chapter in which he warns us of that knowledge which does not serve benefit to its seeker After completing that chapter and sharing some narrations, specifically the du'a of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam where he very clearly sought protection from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in such knowledge that, oh Allah, protect me from this knowledge. He now goes into a brief discussion on the traits and characteristics of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as an educator. There are a list of narrations that are ahead. So I was saying that uh, Shaykh Abdul Fattah Abu Ghudda ta'ala now takes us to this chapter in which we cover narrations from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that give us some light, some insight to what kind of teacher the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was. He titles this Kalima Wajiza, Kalimatun Wajizatun An Shakhsiyatihil Ta'limiyya. A brief discussion on Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's personality and his approach to education. Yes, go ahead. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ala rasulullahi wa ala alihi wa sahabihi ajma'in. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's personality as a teacher. I felt, I feel it appropriate to mention something about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's personality as a teacher. This is to introduce us to that noble soul which Allah Ta'ala blessed to be his messenger so that he may do good to the people and convey the religion to all of mankind. One thing is conveying knowledge, but the vessel through which that knowledge is conveyed plays a massive role on what impact that knowledge has on people. How do you convey that knowledge? People say in a, you know, in a very interesting tone that I'll speak the truth no matter what the cost is. In some cases, that's a good thing. 
which basically connotates that you won't be cowardice or you won't shy away from speaking your truth. But other times, it's used at a, as a card to dismiss any, any bad character. That I don't care what you say about my character or the lack of wisdom that I'm going to use, I'm just going to say it, then it's your problem. That's not how education works. Rasulullah was very particular about how he carried himself. And it was the character of Nabi that left each of those individuals who interacted with him impressed. They were touched. They were changed. Brief interactions had long-lasting effects on them. Yes. Rasulullah had the loftiest of character. He was compassionate and merciful. He avoided troubles. He preferred ease. He dealt kindly and desired the very best for his students. He imparted knowledge and spread goodness wherever and whenever and wherever he could. Allah Ta'ala says, There has come to you a messenger from amongst you. That which harasses you weighs heavily upon him. He is anxious over your well-being. He is extremely compassionate and merciful to the believers. So Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, because goodness was embedded in him, good character was in him, because he was a source of knowledge for all of humanity, there were moments and opportunities to teach. There were educational moments throughout the day, throughout his life, all the time. And the people around him didn't feel that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was coming off too strong, or that there was something fake going on here where you tell one of of your buddies, hey man, cool it down a little with the teaching vibe right here. That wasn't the case. Because they saw the Prophet ﷺ as this humble human being who was teaching out of a genuine concern, whose knowledge was very valuable. It was robust and solid that when Nabi ﷺ spoke, it wasn't based off of mere speculation. The Prophet ﷺ spoke from a place of revelation that what he was saying was from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was amazing at reading the room. He sit with that individual and he would talk to that individual. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's kindness wasn't fake where he was, you know, acting religious or acting kind in front of people. Rather the kindness of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Shaykh Abdul Fattah Baghdad rahimahullah ta'ala, he shared with us the ayah of Surah Tawbah. لَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولٌ مِّنْ أَنفِسِكُمْ عَزِيزٌ عَلَيْهِ مَا عَنِدْتُمْ حَرِيصٌ عَلَيْكُمْ بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ رَؤُوفُ الرَّحِيمِ Telling us and showing to us the Qur'an demonstrates for us the care of the Prophet ﷺ for the ummah, for his students, for humanity and mankind at large. An educator needs to have true concern, love for the subject they teach, and also love for the student. You'll find there are some teachers who are good at teaching the content, but not necessarily good at empowering. They're content masters, not really too inspirational. And then you'll find teachers who are great at the content, but in addition to that, they really believe in a future for their students. So when their student is low, they lift them. They encourage them, they motivate them, they push them. They don't just care for one aspect of their well-being, rather they're looking for a holistic approach to their well-being, that how can I genuinely see this person happy? How can I get this person to believe in themselves? How can I get this individual to take that next step and become a positive influence? Become a, 
a, a, a means for khair, for good that will spread through the world. That is concern. And this was a concern the Qur'an speaks of. حَرِيسُنَ عَلَيْكُمْ بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ رَعُوفَ الرَّحِيمِ Yes, go ahead. Bukhari and Muslim narrate on the authority of Malik ibn Hawarif radiallahu anhu, who said, we went to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam when we were young men of about the same age. We remained in his company for 20 days. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam was extremely merciful and compassionate. When he thought we were longing to go back to our families, he asked us about those whom we had left behind at home, and we informed him. He said, go back to your families and remain with them. Teach them and command them. Offer salah as you saw me offering salah. When it is time of salah, one of you should, shall give the call to salah, adhan, and the eldest of you should lead the salah. The hadith is narrated by Malik bin radiallahu anhu. This is a famous narration. He says that we came as a group of people to seek knowledge. Atayna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa nahnu shababatun mutaqaribun mutaqaribun that we were similar in age mutaqaribun fi sinni wal umar we were similar in age a bunch of young people we traveled from our homeland to come and study with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Right off the bat we learn an etiquette here that an ideal time to seek knowledge is when you're young because knowledge requires sacrifice, and as a young person, you can endure those sacrifices. When you're young, your responsibilities are still minimal. The reality of life is that with each year that passes by, responsibilities only increase. Life only gets more intense. So when you're young and you see that your parents or your siblings are pushing you that no, go to the halaqa, no, go and study, as burdensome as it may be, you must appreciate and understand that they're guiding you to something that you may regret if you miss out on today. Seeking knowledge when you're young. The second thing that we see here, فَأَقَمْنَا عِنْدَهُ عِشْرِينَ لَيْلًا The Sahabi says that we spent 20 nights with Rasulullah It wasn't drive-through seeking knowledge that let's stop over and for 15-20 minutes get all of our questions answered and be gone study for two, two days or one day and then post all over the internet that we are students of knowledge for life. Make sure we have key appearances when the camera is running and leave our stamp behind that I was there in that gathering. That's not what it was. These people, they came and they took companionship with Rasulullah By taking companionship with Rasulullah there was a sacrifice involved. They left their families behind. But the benefit of that sacrifice was that they had the opportunity of seeing their mentor. They had an opportunity of understanding what knowledge looked like when it was practiced, when it was living. They weren't seeing information stuck on paper. They saw knowledge embodied by Rasulullah As a result of this, this turned on a light in their minds and in their chest and their hearts that gave them an understanding of what knowledge was, what it does to a person. And this is more or less the uh, best way of first and foremost learning and seeking knowledge because it's visual and it's physical and it also there's an audible element to it where you're learning it, you're hearing it, so you're engaging all your senses. But secondly, it's the way of the Sahaba. This is how the Sahaba sought knowledge. 
Whenever we speak of the virtues of seeking knowledge through companionship, the first thing people say is, but I don't have any scholars in my community. So where do I find that companionship? These Sahaba are an example. They left their hometown and they traveled. You think they didn't have stuff going on in their life? You think travel was easy? If anything, travel is easy in our day and age. No one's saying the journey to knowledge will be easy. What we are saying though is that if you endure the sacrifices that are involved with seeking that knowledge, the benefits of the companionship will truly be transformative. They will change your perspective. Speak to someone who spent an extended amount of time in the company of scholars. They'll tell you that there are changes that occur that are beyond what your mouth, what your words are capable of expressing. Changes that you didn't believe could occur. There are things that happened that you were unaware of their existence before you took companionship of a true scholar, of a true student of knowledge. So these Sahaba, they took that with Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Now, the next thing that we see, now the Sahabi, he describes the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as a mentor and teacher, and he says, وَكَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ رَحِيمًا رَفِيقًا He was merciful and gentle. Very merciful and very gentle with us. He was not harsh. He wasn't mean. He wasn't condescending. When a student is in class and they make a mistake, in that moment as a teacher, you can say a foul thing to them, which is tempting, don't get me wrong. Trolling students is fun. Or you can troll a little bit, but then go back to doing what the prophetic thing is and empower them. Tell them it can be done. No one's saying to coddle students into ignorance, enable their ignorance and arrogance. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is to nurture them, to give them time to grow and understand that making mistakes is okay. If you are harsh with students publicly every time they make mistakes, they'll be too afraid to make mistakes. And if they're not making mistakes, there's no growth that happens. For growth, you need mistakes. Otherwise, what are you even doing here? Go somewhere that you, know, you can learn from, because clearly you're not making any mistakes here. There's not any growth here. You should be ahead somewhere else. Mistakes are very good. For students, they serve as an opportunity that I made a mistake while I was reading in class today, or I misunderstood a masala. And then I was corrected. So they say regarding Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, كَانَ رَحِيمًا رَفِيقًا Only a compassionate teacher, a loving teacher, will create an environment where students will feel comfortable growing, feel comfortable, and they won't get caught in silly competition and posturing to the point where they actually miss what they came for, which was to grow and to learn from their mistakes. فَمَا ظَنَّ أَنَّا قَدْ إِشْتَقْنَا أَهْلَنَا سَأَلَنَا عَمَّنْ تَرَكْنَا بَعْدَنَا فَأَخْبَرْنَاهُمْ So he says that we didn't have to even tell Rasulullah that we were missing home, he saw it on our face. فَلَمَّا ظَنَّ أَنَّا قَدْ إِشْتَقْنَا أَهْلَنَا When Nabi sensed that we were missing our family, سَأَلَنَا Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam took the initiative and he asked us about our family members. So tell me about the people you've left behind, those that you love very much that you're missing. 
So we started telling him about Mama and Baba and my siblings and my younger brother and my younger sister and my spouse and my friends. And we started sharing those stories. We saw this in our teachers that they didn't just take interest in us, they took interest in our families. When we would come back from trips, they would ask us, so tell me, how was your, how was your trip? How are your parents? How are your siblings? Everyone's well. How are your sisters doing? How are, how are your brothers doing? You know, how are your parents? When my mother, rahimahullah, passed away, I remember the morning after she passed, the first phone call I got, that I took on my phone actually, the first phone call I actually took was of my teacher, Shaykh Yusuf, rahimahullah. He called me the morning after. And I was lying in bed, sulking in pain. And I saw his number and I answered the call. And he said some very beautiful words of ta'ziyah. Such amazing words of condolences he shared. And then he said something that made me smile even though I was in tears, I was in so much pain. He said that my dua to Allah is that Allah will resurrect your mother with the mother of Imam Malik and Imam Bukhari. And I said, Ameen to that. These people cared. He didn't have to call me. If he didn't, honestly, I wouldn't have held him to it at all because I know that he is a very, very important, busy person. And Hussein Kamani is a nobody. The man has so much in his life in teaching and you know, running an institution and family and you know, he's across the world in another country. Yet he took out time to call a nobody. One of thousands of students that have studied with him. He took out time to make that call. Nabi wasallam taught us this. That you take interest in people. You check up on them. So tell me about your family. How are they doing? So he says, فَأَخْبَرَنَاهُ We shared our stories with the Prophet ﷺ. When Nabi ﷺ heard them speaking of their family, what did he notice? That his suspicion, his suspicion was true. These guys are homesick. Maybe they smiled a little, maybe they cried a little, maybe they went a little silent, maybe they paused a little extra while mentioning the names of their beloved ones. فَقَالَ Nabi ﷺ said, اِرْجِعُوا إِلَىٰ أَهْلِكُمْ Go back home. فَأَقِيمُوا فِيهِمْ And go and stay with them. However, what you've taken here, what you've learned here, continue this tradition, وَعَلِّمُوهُمْ وَمُرُوهُمْ Go and educate them. And get them involved with what you've learned. وَصَلُّوا كَمَا رَأَيْتُمُونِ أُصَلِّي And pray as you saw me pray. فَإِذَا حَضْرَةِ الصَّلَاةِ And when prayer time comes, فَلْيُؤَذِّنْ لَكُمْ أَحَدُكُمْ وَلْيَأُمَّكُمْ أَكْبَرُكُمْ Nabi said, one of you should be appointed to give the adhan and the most senior of you should lead the prayer. This point of who should be leading the prayer in congregation is something that we covered in our previous series, Min Adab al-Islam. We talked about the etiquettes of who should be the one leading prayer. At that point, I clarified that when a group of people gather for salah, the one who should be leading salah is the one that is most knowledgeable from them. Not necessarily the one who is most senior in age. The one most senior in age takes precedence if everyone is equal in knowledge. Because the maqam of ilm is greater than the maqam of age. 
the rank that is given through knowledge is superior and greater than the rank that a person attains through age itself. Shaykh Abdul Fattah Abu Ghudda rahimahullah ta'ala says, فَيُقَدَّمُ الْأَعْلَمُ عَلَى مَنْ سِوَاهُ لِأَنَّ صِفَةَ الْعِلْمِ أَعْلَمْ وَأَشْرَفْ مِنْ صِفَةِ كِبَرِ السِّنِ This is exactly the point that I mentioned. This is from his, his text on the issue. Another point to notice from this narration is that these companions who came to study, they came from a people who were also Muslim. So there were naturally other people there they could have sought knowledge from. But when they saw that the lantern himself was sitting in Medina, the moon himself, the source of knowledge himself was in Medina Munawwara, they went directly to Rasulullah Which teaches us that when you have great scholars among you, when you have those seniors there, people in the community may or may not see them because in the world that we live in, it's all about marketing, not necessarily about piety or knowledge. It's about how many views you have, so then people rush to those people. For awam al-nas, for the average person, that's okay. I mean, if that's the way that they engage with knowledge, at least they're engaging, that's good, keep going. But for students of knowledge who are on that path of growth, you have to start making distinctions. That so-and-so person has literally spent their life seeking knowledge. Is there a difference between someone who has sought knowledge by studying a course or two on language and some fundamentals and maybe good at speaking and motivational versus someone who has spent a decade seeking knowledge in the company of scholars? You will see a difference. The person that has spent time with sitting with scholars who are actually interested in the tarbiyah and follow the methodology of Rasulullah what you will see in them is that they aren't interested in any sort of marketing. They're not gimmicky. They're okay with having few people in front of them because they understand that it's the few that build the few. Every institution's legacy is exactly that. It's a story of Darul Arqam. It's a story of Medina Munawwara, where you have the few sitting with the few. But because those few have such great quality and they're people of sacrifice, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts their sincerity and gives them growth. The gatherings of the great ulama of the past, yes, there were some of them who were super celebrities like Imam Bukhari rahmatullahi alayhi and Imam Ghazali rahmatullahi alayhi. These were unique figures. But majority of the people in their durus, it was a small group of people that would sit with them. People didn't even recognize their maqam while they were alive for many of them. One very famous text that's taught in the Shafi'i fiqh, it was actually written by a person who spent his life cleaning Majd al-Nabwi. People didn't even know he was a scholar. When he passed away, they were going through his belongings and they found this manual on the Shafi'i fiqh, it became the standard. Every madrasa you go to now, they teach that book. People of ikhlas. So these sahaba, they made that journey and they sat with Rasulullah to seek that knowledge directly from the Prophet The journey of growth and knowledge requires sacrifice. Sometimes you aren't able to take on that journey due to circumstances. And for that, we make dua to Allah that He opens up the path. For some people, they just don't know where to go. For that, we make dua to Allah that He guides us. For some people, unfortunately, 
they have the opportunities all available and present, but they don't end up making any move and they don't walk towards it. And for those people, unfortunately, that attitude holds them back in life. That complacency continues to hold them back. The one thing about the Sahaba that I find to be absolutely amazing is that they never stepped behind. They always stepped forward. They kept moving in a direction of growth. You didn't find any Sahabi who Nabi told something to and they didn't do it. That didn't happen. One-off cases here and there, and we have them as learning examples. But for everyone else, they were fa'al people, mutharik. They went and they did things. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us like that as well. Yes, go ahead. The following important lessons are derived from the, this hadith. It is meritorious for a group of youth to go to a scholar alim in order to gain knowledge and an understanding of their religion from him. They should remain in his company for a period of time so that they may observe his ways, habits, and practices. This will illuminate their intellects, enable them to acquire knowledge and learn to practice upon it. The knowledge so acquired will be readily understood and acceptable to them, as was the case with the Sahaba. The hadith gives us an insight into Rasulullah's quality as a universal model and an example of the perfect human being. It teaches us the importance of learning the injunctions of the Sharia of Rasulullah. This is interesting because when Nabi was educating them and teaching them, he gave them actionable items, practical things. He taught them salah. And if you look at this riwayah, in some versions of this riwayah, that students of knowledge who have studied hadith, you remember, you'll remember this narration, there is more in there, more detail. So Nabi gave them like, items that go do this, go do that, focus on this, focus on that. Yes. It is best for a student to search for the most knowledgeable and intelligent scholar of the time. It should be borne in mind that the parents of these youth were the Sahaba of Rasulullah These Sahaba met him, learned from him, and gained knowledge from him. Yet the young men did not confine themselves to learning from their parents. Instead, they went directly to the leader of all scholars, the crown of all prophets, and the most learned, learned of all mankind, When you're young, without doubt, the people who will influence you in your early life are those that are closest to you. Your mother, your father, maybe the Sunday school teachers, your Qur'an teacher. They will always be the people who set your foundation. But a time comes as you continue to grow that it's time for you to now go to individuals who have expertise in those fields, who actually have mastery. You have to graduate from one teacher to another. And this will happen throughout your life, by the way. No one teacher will have it all. It doesn't matter who you meet. And if they claim so, run away from them. Don't go near that person. You know, there are very few individuals who we can possibly claim regarding that they were in, the, in a true meaning polymaths. Like they had mastery. These are few individuals. When someone says, you know, I'm a mufti in all four madhabs, in most cases I'm like, okay, buddy. Okay. Mufti in all four madhabs guy. 25 year old dude. You know? And I'll be honest because, you know, it, it's, gaining a mastery in one madhab is difficult. It's very difficult. It's not just a matter of knowing the masail, it's about knowing 
where the ulama where the ulama are on those issues in your current time because fiqh evolves you know if you ask someone for a classical opinion on an issue that what's the ruling on you know eardrops and eyes drop eye drops do they break your fast or not it's possible someone who studied some basic text of islamic law can answer that question but that doesn't necessarily translate into the modern day fatwa for that you have to speak to scholars who are still engaged in this arena in our modern time. So now multiplying that fourfold is, that's something special. Not to say there aren't people like this in the world. There are people, I'm sure. I mean, many of them have proved it through their writings. They've written multiple volumes, 10-15 volumes on the Madahib Arba, and if anyone could be claimed to have mastery in all Madahib, we would say it's those people because they've demonstrated it through their writings. But for most of us, when someone says that I have it all, it's best to just keep moving. Right? Just keep moving it along. This is the benefit of studying at institutions. Because you're not studying from one person, you're studying from multiple people. And when it's time to pass the baton to the next teacher, the teacher will do that. That I've taught you this far, this is where I felt comfortable, now it's time for you to go there. Go over to that sheikh. And when that sheikh is done, what is he going to say? Go over to that one over there. Go to this ustada over there, go to that ustada over there. And you keep passing that student around, and that student as they grow then in this process, they are well-rounded. They have a true understanding of the deen. Sticking with one teacher and learning from one teacher is also profound. In the earlier years, it's important. It has a great tarbiyah factor. I remember asking one of my teachers this question that what's a good way to read books. How do I read a book? How do I figure out and prioritize what I'm going to be reading and studying? To that, my teacher quoted a prominent scholar and he said that he, he suggested that there are two approaches to reading books. Either by musannif or by mawdur. Either you read by musannif. What does that mean? Based off of the author. So in this scenario, what you would do is, you would pick up, for example, a book of Mullah Ali Al-Qari, or Suyuti, or Ibn Al-Qayyim, Ibn Taymiyyah, all of them, or Ghazali, any of them. You pick up their books and you read all of them. The benefit of this is that by reading in this fashion, there is a high tarbiyah factor. Because you really benefit from what that scholar is saying and you begin to understand their personality and their mindset. I highly recommend Muslims in the West read the works of scholars like Shaykh Abul Hassan Ali al-Nadwi rahimahullah ta'ala. You know, traditional scholars who are, you know, universal thinkers. There, someone actually put an app together, I saw some time back, that had all of his books on there. The Arabic ones, the English ones, the Urdu ones. It's a good place to start where you can read and read. And as you're reading, your mind is growing. You're beginning to understand the author. His fikr and his nadar, this man's sight and his, his, his thoughts were way ahead of his time. Way ahead of his time. If you read his works, you'll understand what I'm saying. Shaykh Abul Hassan Ali al-Nadwi rahimahullah ta'ala. Inspirational individual. And you can see this in his students. When you meet his students, you can see it in them. I've had the opportunity of meeting many of them. That they're, they, they think in a whole different world. 
Everyone is thinking in this lane and they're over there thinking about a whole different universe. Their mind is broad. They don't get caught into pettiness. They don't get caught into silly argumentation. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us that wisdom of the shaykh as well. And then the second method of reading a book, one is by Musannif, the other was by Mawdu'. So in this case, what you do is you choose a subject. For example, I want to learn the inner dimensions of salah. Now at this point, you give less attention to the author, and here you're doing a survey of the subject. This will give you breath in your knowledge. Because you'll notice that some knowledge, some scholars have what we call tool in ilm, they have the length of knowledge. Some have the arad of ilm, they have the width of knowledge. And there are some that Allah has given the umuq of ilm to. They have the depth of knowledge. Where they stand in one place, but go, they go so deep in that one point that they can continue to talk about it for hours. And they can analyze that same issue from a hundred different angles. And they teach you how istimbat is done. They teach you how you derive one issue from another issue and how you connect dots together. And how you see that you know, your every action and your every conclusion in reality is connected to 10 other issues. So be very careful on how you move forward with your knowledge. Seeking out the right scholars and sitting with these teachers it plays a great role. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us with this. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the companionship of scholars. Okay, with that we'll conclude here. We pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts and grants tawfiq to do amal. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala sallam Muhammad. As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi